What's up, Fire Nation? JLD here with another bonus episode for you. And this one's with my dear, dear friends, Mike McCallowitz. If you haven't read his books, Profit First, Clockwork, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, The Pumpkin Plan, there's so many amazing books that he's written. Plus, just search his name in any podcast directory. He has some great podcasts, including this one. My man, Mike McCallowitz, and myself have a great conversation. I hope you enjoy. So, you build entrepreneurs on fire. This is a podcast that is in the entrepreneurial space, the number one podcast in the world. Boom. Downloads, demand, everyone knows it. Was that a platform for springing the book? Everything. It's the platform for everything that I've done. I mean, I literally in 2012 was a failure on all accounts. Like I, I did four years as an active duty officer from 22 to 26, which went really well. I mean, I, I got out as a captain. I was in a war leading four tanks and 16 men as an armored platoon leader. Like that part of my life was good. So, you know, zero to 26, life's pretty good. 26 yeah. to 32, down the toilet, you know, to kind of keep with this toilet paper theme here. <laughs> Literally though, I mean, I was a failure at everything. I mean, dropped out of law school, couldn't hack into corporate finance, sucked at corporate real estate, stunk it up in residential, like nothing I was doing was working for six years, six years. That when I was in Cancun, by the way, reading your book, like it's because my parents like paid my way to go down there on this. I couldn't afford it myself. Like I was literally a failure by all accounts in every way, shape and form, career, life, the whole nine yards. And then I started doing the right things, which literally one of those first few things I started doing right was reading the right books, yours being one. Ah, well, dude, thank you. It's true. So, all right, so you served in the military, and thank you for serving the military. Um, <laughs> thanks for the salute. You then, um, you then said you're a failure. Um, how did you live through that period of time? Like, were you, were you living, your parents supporting you? Like, how did you get through that? I did have money because I graduated college on an army scholarship. So I had zero college debt. I then spent the next four years as an officer in the army. So I was getting paid decently, you know, as an officer, like when you're, when you get out as a captain, you're making pretty decent money. And specifically during my 13 months uh, tour of duty in Iraq, like you spend $0 and you don't pay any tax because you're in war. You get uh, a hazardous duty pay. So you're making more money. You're getting your housing allowance still. I didn't have a house. So I like came out of that just that year with like $75,000 of profit. Wow. And added to that my other three years, I, I, I had about 110000 in the bank, like free and clear. So for a 26-year-old, like that's a lot of money, like free and clear. But by the way, when I got to 32, you, you think I maybe would be going from strength to strength? I was like maybe down to like 75. Like I was just, I spent six years just like whittling away that savings because I just could Oh, so not 75,000, like 75 bucks. No, 75,000. Like, oh, I, 75, I, oh. Yeah. I said, oh, okay. Well, still you had some still, money. Still plenty of money. But I had, you know, you would hope that, you know, if you have 110,000 at 26, maybe you've got 250, you know, yeah, at 32. Yeah, yeah, of course. I went the opposite way though. So, okay. Which maybe is not that uncommon of a, of, of a journey was struggling. And was it that you didn't find yourself? Like, why were you struggling all those positions, all those jobs? I didn't know at the time why. Number one, I will, I will be honest. I'll be a little vulnerable here. Um, you know, I was dealing with some pretty serious PTSD. Like I saw war, like real yeah, war. Like I deployed I, dude, I cannot imagine. with 16 soldiers who were under my command, my platoon, and only 12 of us returns. You know, I had friends that went out. I had breakfast with them, fellow lieutenants, my age, 
23, yeah. 24, never came back or came back, uh, legs blown off, arms blown off. Like I, I dealt with PTSD. And I mean, yeah. you know, and just a randomness of life. Like, you know, you literally would walk in, they'd be like, you go there, you go there, you go there. Well, right. the person that went there got killed. The person that went there had his arms blown off and I just somehow, nothing happened to me. Like just- I can't imagine. The randomness of life. And that, that, that I dealt with that. You know, I dealt with PTSD. I was in law school, depressed. Like, and anybody that's dealt with depression, like this will kind of resonate with them. Like I love, love to this day, the New England Patriots. Like I love the NFL. I grew up in New England. The Patriots are awesome. They've always been awesome, except for maybe this past year, but they've always been awesome. Yeah. And I just watching the game and I was like, I could care less who wins mm. this game. I was like, and it was such a weird revelation for me to be like, whoa, like I literally don't care. Like something's wrong in here. And so I was depressed. I had PTSD and I was trying this, trying that. Nothing was working for me and I was just failing. And like literally to kind of get to your main question though is by reading books and educating myself, I literally stumbled upon a quote at 32 years old that changed everything for me. And the quote was from Albert Einstein Try not to become a person of success, but rather a person of value. And Mike, that was a problem. Like I looked back at those six years of, you know, crap and I was chasing success. Like, oh, law school, I'll be a lawyer. That'll, that'll make me respectful. You know, oh, corporate finance, that'll make me money. That'll be successful. None of that was working. And that was just the wrong attitude. And when I looked in the mirror at my own face and I said, face, <laughs> you are not doing <laughs> anything of value like you're not providing any value in this world and that was a true statement that's when i committed to myself and i said well hopefully this albert einstein guy knows something because like i'm going for it like the next thing i do is going to be a pure value play i don't know what it is but i planted the seed and that's what six months after that seed was planted that's when the idea for entrepreneurs on fire was born oh my gosh i didn't realize that. i didn't realize entrepreneurs on fire was was you on fire because you've had stratospheric success. Yeah. So you went, was that the time when podcasting was just bubbling up as, as popular in the entrepreneurial space? Not or? even, it was still before then. I mean, this is pre, you know, iPhones when like people did not have like the okay. podcast app in their iPhone. It was kind of junky and clunky to like get a podcast like on your phone on some on kind of listening device. So it just wasn't big, but like I found it and I was, you know, Again, not poor, but I wasn't making any money. So I was like trying to find free ways to consume content because, you know, all these books I was buying were costing money and podcasting was free. And I was like, I love this medium. I, 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 I get why more people don't because it's kind of hard to like find shows and to like subscribe. And it's all clunky and et cetera. But man, this, this medium resonates with me because it's free, it's on demand, and it's targeted content. And I got to listen to some of you know our mutual friends like Andrew Warner of Mixergy, Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income, like they were publishing um, interviews with successful entrepreneurs, and I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm learning so much from these real like books are great, and I wrote a book, so I, I love books. They they got me going, but like these like real time interviews were like really inspiring to me. Like that's a person right now living and breathing this, doing this, and it's working. That's cool. And you you broke out with uh, just a really smart idea. You figured out a way to get downloads five to 10 times what everyone else was doing, which translated to sponsorship dollars. What was that hack? So the hack number one, and there was a few of them we can talk about, okay. but number one, it was this, it was 
okay, what are the successful people doing in the podcast space right now? Oh, they're launching two episodes a month or one episode a week. Mm -hmm. How can I 10X that? How do I 10X that? Because guess what? My shows are not going to be as good as their shows. I'm not going to be good. I've never done this before. I'm going to be a rookie. I'm going to be raw and experienced. How do I 10X it? What if I did a show every single day? My closest competition will be once every seven days. I'll be seven in seven days. That changed everything because mm. I got good a lot quicker because now I'm doing 30 a month instead of four a month. I'm meeting a lot more people because I'm interviewing 30 people a month instead of four. And so now all of a sudden my network is improving rapidly. You know, I'm the average of the four pe- of the five people I spend the most time with and I'm hanging out with awesome people literally every single day. So that was mm-hmm. huge. And it was different. Like people are just like, what is this crazy guy doing an episode a day? Like entrepreneurs on what? Like what's happening exactly? And like, you know, new is different. You know, you have to really, I like to, this quote, it's so, it's so real here is the higher the barrier, the lower the competition. And I set the barrier so high that guess what? I didn't have low competition. I had flipping no competition. Mike, the day I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire, it was the best daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. Yeah. It was the worst daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. <laughs> it was the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. I built a moat around my business as a result because something that you and I both see all the time today is someone launches something, they have success, but it's replicatable. It's easily yeah. replicatable. It's a low barrier. So the competition jumps over and it's saturated and everybody loses. Because yeah. everybody copies it and it's over, done. Yeah, You have to find something that's not easily replicated. You know, a perfect example is your book, Profit First. I mean, you created a system that was so beautiful that people couldn't even come close to replicating it. So they just had to franchise it, you know, had to, had to you know, get certification, certified by it, had to like literally go yeah, through yeah. you to make it happen. And so how can you, the listener right now, the, the viewer of this content, like how can you build a moat around your business like Mike and I have been able to do over the years with what we do. You know, to, to me, it's, it's the, if you can't beat them, join them. Right. So I, I couldn't do an EO on fire. I, I couldn't keep pace with that. So I'll be a guest on your show. Yeah. And, but, but let me, I'm curious about that moat. I mean, theoretically, if they're doing one a week, just to amplify to seven, was it, was it simply a time play or was there more to it? Listen, I mean, going from finding four people a month, to be on your show, scheduling, planning, preparing, yeah, 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 yeah. hosting to 30. Again, we're talking like 10X. I mean, you're yeah, like, it's a different I, business I'm 10Xing everybody's work ethic at this point. 10Xing. I did, you know, 500 episodes, you know, in a year and a half. And my closest, <laughs> com- my closest competition had like 60 and they thought they were crushing it. And, and they were because they, they were doing great, but I wasn't even close. Like I was just so... 10xing everything, the content, the quantity, you know, and eventually the quality because I was just doing it over and over again. And, and you publish all the numbers too. Like all the numbers. Sh- that, to me, that was unheard of. Maybe I saw it in other spaces. I think a blogger did that once, but you revealed the numbers. Do you mind, since you revealed them already, of course. do you mind sharing some of the numbers and, and particularly how sponsors got engaged? So we now have been publishing a monthly income report, a detailed monthly income report with every penny we make, every penny we spend, all of our everything, gross, net, you name it, for 90, nine zero months in a row, 90 months in a row. And one of 
my proud numbers from that, you being a numbers guy, I can probably respect this, is that we just hit our 90th month in a row of netting, not just making, but netting over $100,000 or more 90 months in a row. Because hey, we're a lean, mean, three virtual assistants and myself and Kate team. That is it. That is all of us. Every income report, we bring our lawyer on to give a legal tip. We bring our CPA on to give a tax tip. And we just drop so much value in these monthly income reports. They take a lot of time every month, but they are so valuable. And we've done 90, 90, you know, over the, the past eight plus years. Like that's our, that's one of our biggest transparency business models that we have. And, you know, our business has generated over $20 million since 2012. And we've documented every single penny. It's so unique. It's so unique. And it drew sponsors, not that report alone, but the numbers. I'm just curious. You know, a podcast like mine, you get one sponsor pops up, they give you five hundred dollars or thousand dollars. You made it into such an effective business yeah. model. Do you mind sharing a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, we made eighty-two thousand dollars last month on sponsorships. Last month. And that's not awesome. that's not a crazy number. Like that is a recurring number that's very common on our show. Um, you know, we've made over a hundred thousand dollars on a month before. Um, rarely is there a month that we're under seventy thousand. I mean, that's like our range, is somewhere between seventy to eighty to ninety thousand every single month. Um, so we had a, a company called the mid roll reach out to us back in 2013 and they said, Hey, podcast sponsors were kind of becoming a thing. And, and we are, we're a broker that matches sponsors with podcasters, but we, you know, we don't do any, but anything in the business space. Um, cause frankly, like it's not that appealing right now with the shows that are out there. We typically do these daily comedy shows that just have, you know, comedy, um, hour every, every day. But you have this daily show. So your inventory is massive. You have 60 spots available every month because you have two inventory mm-hmm. spots per episode. So I had 60 spots for them to fill every month. Where again, that weekly episode, that's eight spots. So there went from like eight, yeah. which is hard to make money on when you're just, you know, a, a broker, not making you're you're only making 15%, you know, on on those eight spots. So then 60, they could fill, they could fill my show up and make bank. And they did. They filled my show up and we both made bank and, you know, we haven't looked back since. So so that fast forwards us to where we started. You're in Puerto Rico. You're doing it as a tax shelter. Also just uh, the environment's insanely good. You've followed a path to uncommon success, but you've also interviewed all these entrepreneurs and you've found a common path to uncommon success. So can you detail some of the stuff that you reveal in the book about that? Absolutely. But just to go back to your point, yes, Puerto Rico is paradise. Mike's been to my home. He can vouch. It is a beautiful- I can vouch for your front door <laughs> is the most beautiful front of my life. Seriously. But you know, and my- Contemporary- listen, It's spectacular. Sexy. The whole nine yards. I mean, you yeah. have sat on my couch. You've walked on my kitchen kitchen tiles. You've sat on my kitchen terrace. You've uh, jumped in my pool. I may have rolled around in your bed when you and your wife were out of the room. I could smell it afterwards. Uh, I'm like, Mike's been here. <laughs> I'm sorry. And well, you know what? I took my shirt off. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. <laughs> but, um, you know, back to business. So I've interviewed yeah. 3,000 successful entrepreneurs over the past eight plus years with Entrepreneurs on Fire you being a a repeat guest, obviously dropping value bombs. And I sat down and I distilled the the common foundational core principles that all entrepreneurs shared that I've interviewed. Like I looked down and I'm like, these are the foundational 
core principles. I boiled them down. I cut out the fat. I you know, combined the ones that were similar. And I was looking down at 17 foundational principles that you, that myself, that every successful entrepreneur trod upon on our path to uncommon success. And I saw it was a roadmap. It was literally mm. a roadmap. And so I uh, arranged it chronologically and I created a 17-step roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment. That is the book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success, a 17-step roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment. And every chapter is a step in that 17-step roadmap to your financial freedom and fulfillment. And it's really that simple. Is it easy? No. Is it common? Yes. Is it secret, hidden, complicated? No. It is a common path to mm. uncommon success that takes a lot of flipping work. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh yeah, this is the one minute millionaire, like I'm, I'm on it, let's do this. Wrong. Yeah. You can fail like everybody else fails that has that attitude because you're never going to make it. But if you are willing to sit down, go through this roadmap, apply its principles, you will achieve uncommon success within three to six months, period. It will happen for you. I started doing these HIT workouts, high intensity interval, interval training. training. And the best analogy I heard was from a guy named AJ Jacobs. He goes, uh, you can tear off a Band-Aid or you can peel off a Band-Aid. And he goes, either way, you're getting the Band-Aid off, but do you want intense, sharp pain for a short period or do you want you know, moderate pain for a long period? And uh, the HIT workouts, it's unbelievable the progress you can make cardiovascularly, strength-wise with this extreme intensity but it requires extreme intensity. So many people avoid it. It sounds like the entrepreneurial journey to uncommon success is very similar that you got to put in extraordinary effort and it's like ripping off a bandaid. So do many people say, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to do it. And then when they get into the pain of the effort, they back out. It's a fantastic analogy. That's why you are who you are. You just <laughs> crush I rip it. off ideas from everyone else and put it back together. Well, story of my life too. Hello. I mean, this, this book <laughs> is the 17-step roadmap that you and all of my guests have downloaded into my brain. But the answer is yes, absolutely. That is so true. The reality is this. It is really hard to be successful. It really is. But guess what, Mike? It's actually hard to be unsuccessful too. And what I mean by that is it's hard to live paycheck to paycheck. Like it's hard to not be able to support your loved ones. It's hard to not be in control of your life and have to like listen to a boss that you hate or drive to a job that you dislike. That's hard. That is really hard to wake up in the morning and not live your zone of fire. So like choose your hard. Choose your hard. I chose Love it. working flipping hard. And from 2012 to 2013, to 2014, like I was grinding. I had to put yeah. in the work there. I built everything with these hands and Kate's help and a couple virtual assistants and just sweat equity. And it was hard. But guess what? The last five, six years, I still put in sprints of hard work, but man, I am, don't want to say I'm in cruise control, but believe me, like my schedule would be the envy of anybody that doesn't just make, but nets seven plus figures a year. I, I, net, I, I net multiple millions of dollars here in Puerto Rico yeah. every single year, and my schedule is so wide open. I mean, do I have days where I'm working flipping hard? Absolutely, I do. 
typically less than five days per month. Now, all bets are off. I'm in book promotion mode. My schedule's insane right now. By choice, because I love this book. I loved writing this book. Now I'm getting it out to the world, and I'm doing everything possible for a three-month sprint, which we are halfway through, of getting this book out to the world by pulling all the strings, calling in all my favors, and getting this book out to the world by choice, by my choice. And that, to me is what success is. That to me is what freedom is. The fact that I get to wake up every morning, look at my calendar and say, I chose all of those things. That was my choice. And then come April, after this book is launched and I'm going into relax mode, I get to look at a blank calendar for a month or two months or as long as I want it to be that way. Because I chose my hard, Mike. I chose really hard work to become uncommonly successful. And now I don't have to choose hard anymore. I love it. You, you, you've spun up a flywheel um, that, that just carries on this momentum. It's funny, even my own story, this last, I think off uh, four weeks every year, ever since writing Clockwork, uh, it's really for the business to get a vacation from me. And this past December, we made more, I had more income, personal income and business income than ever. And I wasn't working. And then my thought was like, oh, maybe it's all the effort I made um, leading up to this. And I, I scrambled so that I could leave for a while and it carried on the momentum. When I return, I'll kind of cram it in again. But I came back and there was nothing to do. <laughs> my team was like, oh, um, we got you. Know, you. Do you want to start doing interviews and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got one sticky note of an idea for you to do. <laughs> Right, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Jeremy slaps on a sticky note. Here's an idea. Don't come back. (laughs) But I think some people get stuck. So there's this grinding period that I fully accept. I I don't like the bastardization that entrepreneurship is hustle and grind into eternity. Like you've got to keep pushing every single day. There's a period you got to get that flywheel going. How did you find in your book there's a period where there's all in sprints, and there's a period where you actually can pull yourself out, but not get caught in your own flywheel and to stay kind of looping around in the business. A hundred percent. Because listen, that's not uncommon success is to be burning out, is to be overwhelmed, yeah. is to be grinding yourself into a pulp. Now, mind you, there are exceptions of people that thrive in those environments at all times. Gary Vaynerchuk is a perfect example. That's the yeah. kind of person that wants to grind himself into oblivion and awesome. He's doing great content and great work as a result. Not my jam. That's not how I operate. I want to have a handful of days a month where I'm crushing all my Entrepreneur on Fire interviews on one day, where I'm doing interviews on other shows on another day, where I'm working on X, Y, or Z on days three, four, and five. And then I essentially want 25 days where I'm barely doing anything except just, you know, maintaining. I'm doing emails this, social media that, but that's the business that I built. Could I get Entrepreneurs on Fire to eight figures? Quite easily. I'm not saying I would be making more money or keeping more money because I'd have a bigger team, bigger ad spend, bigger this, bigger that. But man, that's not the business I want. I am happy making a couple million a year with a team of three people that knows what they're doing and doing exactly what I want to do day to day, week to week. That's my success. That's my uncommon success. That's my freedom. I love that definition. Is it we don't have to clone someone else is what I'm hearing. If you see a success, it doesn't mean that it has to be your version of that success. And that's a huge part actually, by the way, of chapter one is step one is identifying your big idea. Because Mike, most people listening and watching, 
you know, I don't want to actually assume with your listeners because they're, they're probably all amazing people. But a lot of people right now in this world are a weak, pale imitation of somebody else's big idea. What I mean is they mm. see somebody's having success in X, Y, or Z, and they're like, well, they're having success in that. I'm going to go copy that because then maybe I can find some success too. And they're a weak, pale imitation of that thing. And of course, they never find success. That's why step one, chapter one of your common path to uncommon success, I rammed down your throat the idea and the concept that you have to identify your big idea. Not a big idea, your big idea. It has to be you living in your zone of fire. Otherwise, you are going to lose every time. You know, so funny is that I, I hear people say, I want to be the next Gary Vaynerchuk or Jeff Bezos or Sarah Blakely. And when I hear that, I'm like, ooh, you're well, in trouble. And then a year goes by and you've never heard their name again. Of course, because they're not leaning into their authentic self. They're, yeah. And, and it's also, I think from the outside, it's like, oh, Jeff Bezos was this massive success overnight or Gary or anyone. We, we don't understand all the grind and hustle time in the first decade for some folks or five decades. Like we just think we're going to skip to this massive size. I love the, why quotes. do we, what? I was just gonna say, I love the quotes An overnight success is always 10 years in the making to your point. Yeah. I mean, it's always 10 years of a grind to get to that quote unquote overnight success. So sorry, you were saying, why do we something? Yes. Yeah, so, I don't know. I lost my, your, your quote was so Good. Ah. I lost it. I lost my question. So g- give me a couple more um, steps from the book. So you have your big, but just give me like one or two more teasers. I'll give you two more teasers here. Let's just go to okay. step two, chapter two, then I'll skip a, a little ways ahead for the next okay. one. The problem that most people have when they finally like listen to me and identify their big ideas is they think that like they got it. They got their big idea now. And the, and the thing is they do have their big idea, but guess what? You followed my process. So not only is it your big idea, it's a flipping great idea. And guess what? If it's a great idea, you're not the first person to think about it. You are not the first person to think about that great idea, period. In fact, you probably have really entrenched, successful competitors. And that's okay. Because step two is discover the niche that is currently being underserved within Mm. your big idea. Find and exploit the void that exists within your big idea. You've got to niche down and niche down again and potentially niche till it hurts until you say, you know what? There's either weak competition here or there's no competition. That's how I'm going to win. That's how you win. Because, Mike, when I had the idea to start a podcast, that's up here. Even back in 2012, there was a lot of people podcasting. Then I was like, what about a business podcast? That's kind of exciting for me. That's within my big idea. Okay, well, that's kind of common too. There's a lot of competition. What about an interview? Okay, well, that's still, like there's a lot, there's a few, you know, the competition's better than me. I can't be the best. What about a seven-day-a-week podcast? What if I niche down that fourth level? No competition. That's why I was the best, the worst, the only. So step two teaches you how to discover the niche that you are going to dive into to get your first little fingernail scrapple of, of, of traction, of momentum, that you're then going to pry open to lead to the massive success that others before you have achieved. And then jumping ahead, step seven. 
I sat down, Mike, you know, you know the average business book. I wrote 71,000 words. This is a beast of a business book a right beast. here. Yeah. Average chapter is three to 5,000 words, pretty average. I started re- writing chapter seven, and then I woke up the next day, I, still writing chapter seven. Next week, I'm like, what is happening here? 13,500 words later, I, I finished- It's almost a book itself. Chapter seven. Basically a book, coming from a guy who's written a lot of great books. Basically a book in one chapter. And I stepped back and I said, huh, kind of makes sense right now. Because chapter seven, step seven, is create your content production plan. Oh, there and you go. I knew, by the way, that my content production plan was good. After that chapter, I'm like, my content production plan is great. <laughs> I'm not even just pulling punches here. Like I'm like, this is the reason why. I didn't even know how great it was. I didn't even understand how intricate and how powerful and just everything that went into our Entrepreneurs on Fire content production plan that allowed me to produce 3,000 episodes in less than nine years and all the social media and email and blogs and journals and yeah. books and courses. It's mind-blowing to like first glance. But then you read this yeah. chapter and you're like, okay, There's going to be two thoughts after you read the chapter. One, man, my personal content production plan sucks. And two, wow, Entrepreneur on Fire's content production plan is fantastic. Like, how do I get me some of that? That's why we have 90 months in a row of $100,000 plus of net revenue. And content production, it does apply to the retail store that's selling... That's how you win. 100%. There's companies out there that are missing amazing opportunities to build communities, to build awareness, to build all these things. What does retail want? They want awareness. So you're going to go buy a Super Bowl ad for $6 million? No, you can't afford it. But can you maybe create some really meaningful, genuine contents that's going to get people excited about your product, your service. And there's companies out there that are fantastic at it. I can name a ton right now. Like Bonoba Socks are doing killer stuff in the space. Four Sigmatic, Athletic Greens. I mean, these are companies that have built their orga- Organifi. They've built their brands, nine-figure businesses, because they're producing the right content that's helpful, that's viral, that's enticing. They're winning, and they're producing it on a consistent basis. I couldn't imagine if uh, Bud Budweiser, who uh, I think pulled an ad this year, I don't think they did one in the Super Bowl, but you know the the whatever it is for the ad spend plus to develop the ad and produce it, say it's six million bucks. If they gave that to a content marketer, what would how, would they have more beer sales from the commercial or from the content marketing? I mean, it's not you wouldn't even you can't even compare. The content marketer would be a, a thousand times more sales, and they'd be developing this evergreen content yeah. that would just continue to produce and you know just magnify on top of itself and get exponential you know ranking number 1 for like best summer beverage i mean it's unbelievable what you could do with that kind of budget couple of rapid fire questions about the common path to uncommon success you, certain age does it matter 0 to 99 brother if you're 100 years old hang it up I want to see a zero-year-old do it, though. <laughs> come out of the womb, Rick. I'm going to lay a cigar. I'm starting a business. Love it. Burn your mom on the chest. Uh, um, 
Is there certain business industries or niches that are better than others? Listen, the common path to uncommon success is for the individual or team that wants to sit there and say, I want to create the best solution to a real problem. If you want to do that, this is a 17-step roadmap to ensure that you do that. If you don't want to produce and create the best solution to a real problem, this book is not for you. What about um, experience? Do you have to come in with experience? Honestly, it's for both. If you are a blank slate, I love that because now you can start at chapter one, step one, and by the end, you will completely have your roadmap complete. If you have some experience, guess what? You might be a step seven, 11, 14. Wow, you are doing things wrong. I promise you. Not every step, but let's go back. Start at step one. Let's validate that you got that one right or tweak and adjust if we need to or completely throw it out and, and do what needs to happen according to what I tell you to do in that step. And again, maybe 50, 75% of the steps, you're just doing little tweaks and adjustments or maybe a couple mm. you're even validating. But believe me, there are gaps and holes and disasters in some of your steps right now. Specifically, your content production plan, chapter seven, will blow your flipping mind. Do you have to be technically savvy, a guru, do this? You do not have to be technically savvy. I still, to this day, would not consider myself technically savvy to do basically anything. Like I know how to push one button on this mixer. I don't know anything else about this mixer, by the way. One button but turns Kate, it on. But and Kate knows it. <laughs> someone that's helping you, right? I mean, if something happens here, we're in trouble. That's all I got to say. <laughs> if something happens, forget about it. It's over. No, you don't. Like, listen, this is, you can be as technically savvy or as, or as not as you want to be because this is your path to uncommon success. It is the fundamental roadmap. John, where, where do uh, our listeners pick up the book? Where's the best place to get it right now? Listen, it is a right now type of thing because if you wait till this book actually goes live, which is on March 23rd, you will miss five amazing bonuses, which will be the saddest day of your life. <laughs> if you buy the book, as a pre-order, you get five bonuses. They're all amazing. One of them, Michael, I'm shipping all three of these journals. Oh, that's awesome. To the door of every single person that pre-orders. A $16 Kindle or $26 hardcover. If you're in the United States of America or any of its territories, Puerto Rico included, I am shipping all three of these journals, physical journals, $150 worth of journals, to your doorstep. You're outside. My team's immediately emailing you the complete digital pack, beautifully done digital pack of all three of these journals. I'm losing money on every single right. pre-order. I am. You know, you're a book guy. You know this. No, I know you are. Yeah. It's not about the money. They're losing money I, on that. that I, that's insane. It's not about the money. I've done it. Financial war chess. Check. This is a get this book in the hands of as many people as possible so I can help change your life because this book will change your life, period, end of story. So this is the reason why I'm making it an absolute no-brainer. That's just one bonus, by the way. There's four other insane bonuses. You want to check out the bonuses. You want to check out the endorsements, by the way. I have personal endorsements, Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, Neil Patel, Dory Clark, Erica Mandy, spectacular endorsements. But I held, I held back my endorsement. Yeah. I said, Hey, I'm like, no, yeah. you know, I, I could, only, one you couldn't score. I can only have so many handsome white dudes as endorsements <laughs> is, if we're being honest, you know, let's, let's be honest. So, um, 
And where's the site to go to to buy the book or just get through Amazon and email you? How's that work? UncommonSuccessBook.com. There you have it. UncommonSuccessBook.com. This is John Lee Dubes. I call him Jalud, J-L-D, <laughs> pronounced Jalud. You're the only person. I'm the only person. And I'm trying to get more people to do it. And uh, it'll catch on. Will start. It'll catch on. Yeah, it will. One of these days. All right, brother. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure.